Welcome to episode 21 of The Process, My Story. Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. Welcome to episode 21 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor. And I am Amante Martin. Uh, today we have Miss Kai Daniels on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Kai. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell the uh, listeners where you're from? I am from Miami-Dade County, <laughs> um, but by way of Detroit. So I actually was born in Detroit. And we moved to Miami when I was like in the second grade. Then we moved back to Detroit um, for a little bit while I was in middle school. Then I moved back to Miami, went to high school at Crop, and ultimately ended up at Florida State. Wow, how was that moving, you know, from up north to down south? Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little wild. It's, it's, um, it's been great, though, because it's given me uh, kind of a Midwest perspective, but also you know, Miami is almost like growing up in a different country. So it's just helped me as I like interact with people and just enjoy life. I just get to have those perspectives. So it's, it's been overall pretty good. What major struggles did you face, you know, growing up in Miami and Detroit or moving back and forth? What was a major hurdle you had to overcome? Um, I think for me, one of the major hurdles I had to overcome was, you know, growing up in Miami, it's a very liberal environment. And so I was, uh, you know, coming out as a young LGBT person of color, you know, and finding myself. I've also been a very, you know, spiritual person, a very devout Christian for a very long time. So trying to, you know, balance uh, my spiritual identity with my sexual orientation. You know, Miami is a liberal environment, but it was still very challenging for me um, with my family and their Southern and Midwest values. That was a big clash for me growing up. Um, but it's also what's like started my service. And when I was in high school, <clears throat> one of the really cool opportunities that I had was I was a part of a program called Safe Schools South Florida. And what's and it's actually still going on today. And it allows you know LGBTQ youth who are attending Miami or Broward Day County public schools to tell their stories to mental health professionals, teachers, principals, 
and other students like them to help make Miami-Dade and Broward County schools more safe for LGBTQ people. So, you know, all of that really sparked me just wanting to share my story and wanting to create in that space. And it ultimately is what led to my scholarship at Florida State. You know, it's, a, it's actually a crazy story about Florida State, but that's kind of what started me there. Um, so I'd say that's one of the, the hurdles that I hold, had to overcome, but it's also one of the things that really helped shape me into the person that I am and, you know, helped really, you know, give me an opportunity to contribute to my community in a lot of different ways. So that would probably be it. So uh, take us through Florida State, you know, growing up um, in Miami, you had to get, come over, you know, your hurdle. Um, and so what led to Florida State? Why Florida State? You know, it's it's interesting story. I um, I applied to Florida State three times, and I was like faithfully rejected. <laughs> All three wow. Uh, I first applied to Florida State uh, as a care care student, and care is the center of academic retention and enhancement at Florida State, and they have a summer bridge program that like helps students, you know, transitioning from high school from you know, first-generation college students, the students from low, lower socioeconomics, um, to kind of transition into Florida State, and it gives you a little bit of a head start there. And um, I applied there. They were like, nope, we don't want you. And uh, I appealed. Well, I applied to the school regular, didn't get in, applied to CARE. Applied again to CARE. I had to do, like, a special appeal to CARE. I wrote a letter, like, really expressing how badly I wanted to go to Florida State and how badly I really did want to be a part of the care program. And I got in. And it was so funny, you know, I was like, got rejected from the school. I initially gotten rejected from care, but my first um, semester in Summer Bridge, I got a perfect 4.0. Wow. <laughs> that's how serious I was about it. You were serious, determined. Everybody was partying, having a good old time. I think it's so funny. Some of the people at Florida State will tell you, you know, while I was in Summer Bridge, I was like, that girl is crazy. You know, that girl, she's, I don't know if she's like got all of her marbles. You know, I had a big old afro, <laughs> um, you know, skateboarding around campus, you know, just a totally free kind of bird. And, um, you know, it's just interesting to kind of see how people reacted to that uh, during my summer bridge experience. But I met a lot of great friends. I like, every, people know me at FSU, like it's cool. I I eventually like made it into regular FSU society, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my start of getting to FSU. So, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, why FSU and why were you so uh, persistent and determined to go to FSU and what kept you applying to FSU? You know, FSU is a wonderful institution, and it was just something about Florida State that when I hit the campus and the energy that I felt, I just really knew Florida State was for me. And oddly enough, you know, while I was going through the Summer Bridge program, I was so dead set about going to Florida State. And, you know, me and my mom, we were really partners in that. Um, but while I was in the Summer Bridge program, I really questioned whether I even wanted to continue to go to Florida State, even though I was, you know, excelling in my or excuse me, excelling in my academics. Um, I still was feeling like, you know, I wanted to be maybe around, go to an HBCU to be around more people of color, because that coming from Miami and being in such a diverse environment, Tallahassee still was a little bit of a culture shock for me. 
um, even though Tallahassee is diverse, I'm not gonna say Tallahassee is totally not diverse, but going to a predominantly white institution, those first couple of months of being there, it, it caused me some thought and some pause. Um, and I, when you're at Florida State, you get to experience a lot of FAMU. And I think that was another thing. I was like looking at FAMU, like this is such a cool thing. And that was one of the decisions I had to make that summer was if, to, you know, to stay at Florida State or go to FAM. Um, and I decided to go to Florida State because of that kinetic energy that I felt. You know, I really was getting plugged into the Service Scholar Program and being able to engage with the Tallahassee community. And Florida State really gave me the opportunity to learn about myself and learn about, you know, being a leader and learning about how to actually engage with communities that you care about. So it's, a, it's a, not a decision I regret. I really feel good about that decision. But I think as you're on your path and you come to these forks in the road, you have to think about, you know, what do you want for yourself? And it's hard to know what's at the end, but you have to feel the energy. You have to feel, you know, what feels good, what feels right. And that's kind of how you get there. We got listeners um, from all, all different walks of life. So when they listen to and you, you say LGBTQ, everybody's not going to get it. I mean, uh, I want to ask you a question. Could you explain uh, to the listeners what is the LGBTQ? Thank you so much for asking me that question. I really appreciate that because it's so easy for me to say that and I don't even think about that. Um, LGBTQ stands for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning um, community. Kind of like an overall umbrella for you know what you would call gay people. Um, and it's, it's all these acronyms put together because the gay community is it's, it's so so big and so diverse and so wide in that sense that it allows all of those things to come together in LGBTQ so that when you talk about the gay community, it's not just lumped in, it's just gay, which is you know men and men. It's this whole community, this whole diverse community that we can kind of get out in that acronym. So that's what LGBTQ stands for. My brother, my older brother, uh, he's gay. Um, mm -hmm. For a while, you know, I had the time accepting that, you know, uh, just being, just being, I'm not from Miami, I'm from Liberty City. Yeah, that's real. Uh, it just was hard for me to accept, you know, this is my older brother. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, just growing up, it was a hard time for me accepting it, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, my situation, I was incarcerated for uh, 20 months, I think okay. 28 months. Uh, and, you know, my, I, had, I had my brother as one of my, uh, one of my strongest supporters. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I had I had a chance to really get to know him, I and mean, I asked him a lot of questions, like why, like why he chose this and what's going on, and you know, what I'm saying? he just basically that's who he is, you know. So, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, I don't have a problem with. It. I just want to, I just know how much of a, it's a respect thing about that um, that field of play. So I want you to know that, like, I ain't trying to disrespect you, know. I just didn't know. And that's no, I, I really appreciate you for sharing that story about your brother because. You know, it's that's a reality, especially being black, especially being from the South and Miami and the culture, you know, that's real. Um, and it was a hard thing for my family to accept, too. You know, I think it's, you know, I, I actually I, I recently did a TED talk at FSU and it's called um, God Gets God Loves Everyone. Get over it. And I kind of talking about, you know, when. I was growing up in Miami, I thought I was the only black gay person for a really long time. I didn't even know wow. that there could be other gay black people. I, I was actually, a t I grew up in actually private school.
So I had attended Lutheran private schools pretty much until high school. And so wow. it never even crossed my mind that there could be other gay black people. My thought of gay was white pedophilia. That's what I thought gay was growing up. Wow. That was my definition of it. So it's just, you know, I just really appreciate you sharing your story about it because I think especially for LGBTQ people of color, you know, our stories are so, so rich because there's so much love in our families and so much love in our communities. And, you know, I think a, a lot of people of color really can experience the love of God as well. And, you know, it's just being able to share our stories about that and how, you know, God can heal our families, love can heal our families, really. Um, is just really important. So I appreciate that question. So, you know, growing up in Miami, growing up in the South, mm-hmm. you know, they say the Bible Belt is in the Midwest, but the Bible Belt is everywhere from Michigan down to Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. um, how was it growing up, you know, as a youth, also trying to, like, you know your identity, you know who you are, mm-hmm. but also trying to find yourself within the academia, like within school, what you want to study and like, how was that? You know what I mean? That, that, I don't know. I just think people think it's just like everyone just goes to school. They find a major. I know what I want to do. But when you're struggling also like with faith, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? a lot going on with that. <laughs> yeah. A lot going on it's, that. A, it's a lot. So I, I guess I, I don't want to, I want to phrase it in a way that is not offensive. You know what I mean? No, I, I think I hear what you're saying. I think in everybody's life, we all go through these times where it just seems like everything is happening. Um, and, and that time for me was really in high school um, because I was out. I wasn't um, you know, closeted. I was out. I was in my community. I was telling my story. It was a very visible uh, youth, LG, like LGBT youth in Miami-Dade and Broward County. And that was hard for my my parents to understand because it's something that should they should be we all should be ashamed of you know I am I I can't I think it was about 15 when I was really out and my my immediate family which is my mom and my stepdad knew and um I'm 25 now be 26 this month and my mom's family is just really understanding knowing and hearing my story they haven't heard my story about being LGBTQ, being out, you know, they just haven't heard it. They've been so distant and they didn't know, you know, so it's just when you talk about a person's story, especially when you talk about LGBTQ people of color, you can live your life out. You can go through your experiences, but with your families, like it's a process. And when I was in high school trying to like graduate, get my degree and go to college, that, that was a major part of my process. There were times where I was in and out of my house, you know, going through issues with my family, staying at friends' house, staying at my grandma's, because I couldn't stay at home. That's a, that's a real issue for people, for LGBTQ youth. You know, once your parents know, they used to tell us, because luckily enough, we were blessed. We were so blessed. We had at CROP, uh, counselor Lisa LaMonica, and she's still there, and she's still doing this great work with these youth. There would be a mental health professional that came into the high school once a week, and they took you know, the LGBTQ kids, some were out, most of them were not. And they taught, they worked us through life skills. They worked us through coping with, you know, um, 
this, this particular issues of LGBTQ youth, including working with your family, including your spirituality and your identity. One of the things that's very challenging for LGBTQ people is holding on to your spiritual identity because you say, oh, well, the Bible says, you know, a man shouldn't lay with another man. It's an abomination. That's it. So no, no God for you gays, no God's love for you. That's out. And we see that in other religions as well. But I challenge that notion. I don't believe that, you know, God pretty much can accept everyone but gay people. I don't follow that ideology. I really believe God loves everybody. And so, you know, when I was in high school, I was really trying to bring these ideologies together. And it was challenging for me in my academics. I struggled my freshman and sophomore year academically um, because I was in so much flux at that time, just trying to figure these things out. And, and that's you know why it was such a miracle to even get into Florida State. That's why I took it so seriously. That's why it meant so much to me because it took a lot for me to get through high school. Um, and I, I really wanted my time in college to set me up to be successful. I really wanted to make that time count. And that's what I did. When 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 did you when did you uh find that uh the confidence to come out with to your family and let them know like this is who I am, this is my life. I mean, like how was how was that process? Um, how was that process? I feel like that process is even now still ongoing, even though I'm very out, you know totally out person my family knows all that jazz I still think that process is ongoing but um for me I was I knew I was queer pretty early pretty early I knew I was queer and I knew that I knew better not to tell my mom <laughs> those were some of the things that I knew um but my mom when I was like 15 I had one of the you know the the first cell phones you know like the second cell phone 2.0s where you could just put the pictures on there and stuff like that <laughs> i had a picture of like me kissing my girlfriend on the cheek and that was like just the picture that popped up when she called and so my mom saw that picture and she's she blew up it was like in that moment she had stopped being my mom she turned into this totally different person and she's like, you're gay. And I was like, yep, sure am. Great, that's over. Whew. Now that that's out the bag, you know. <laughs> and um, it was pretty much on after, after that. But <laughs> that's kind of, I, I don't think it was this this moment where I was like, I'm just going to tell everybody. It's like, nope, my mom, mom kind of really was picked. She, she's my good mom. Your parents know. You know, she really un understood that. And that was the first time that she had to come to grips with that in her reality. And with that experience for her kind of started my own experience because it allowed me to be a very confident out LGBTQ youth because I felt so passionately about the work that I was doing. Like I felt passionately about sharing my story. I was up there crying, looking crazy, telling these people the play-by-play -play of being, you know, kind of in flux, these issues with my family, these questions that I was asking myself about my relationship with God and how that affected me in school. There was a time where, you know, my teachers, you know, they really, they, I, I had a lot of support at CROP because of, you know, some of the issues that I had in my family. So, and of centered around being LGBTQ. So it's like, you know, this it's those people along the way that, you know, help you, cheer you on, you know, see your story, see your work, see your, see your life, see you. And, you know, 
those those people for me have been the Lisa LaMonica's and the Ramley Adler's, you know, people in Miami-Dade, Broward County public school system who actually took the time to care about me and people like me. And that's what makes me care about my community because it's, it's just a drop in the bucket of the debt that I owe to my, my people, you know, black people, gay people, women, you know, humans, you know, that's what it's about in my, in my opinion. So Kai, um, what did you study at FSU and, uh, and how, and how did F- the FSU experience help you become a better person? I studied at FSU management information systems and entrepreneurship. And they definitely like just going to the Florida State College of Business changed my life because I started my first real business at Florida State College of Business and Entrepreneurship Program called SoFitU. <laughs> and um, we actually brought that business to Detroit. We received venture capital funding for that business. You know, me and three guys packed up from Florida moved to Detroit, joined the startup scene here, and really tried to push the business forward. So it was just, it was just a really great experience for me, um, learning about business and being able to kind of learn and grow at Florida State and take that into my, you know, my postgraduate life. So it was, it was a good experience. And I also, you know, firmly believe in entrepreneurship. Uh, my current role is as a investment analyst at General Motors Ventures, which is the venture capital arm of General Motors. And it's just a, it's been allowed me a great opportunity to see just revolutionary technology startups that are coming into the transportation and mobility space and just watch these startup entrepreneurs and founders kind of make it happen. And that's just something I've always been passionate about is entrepreneurship, small business to, you know, billion dollar startups, you know, it's just all of all of the entrepreneurship and business endeavors that we can support, I feel like we should. For those, so I did a agricultural business. Um, so it's really just business classes. I know a lot of students are in SBI at Florida and in the School of Business at um, Florida State also. What can, can you speak to those students who feel like they are entrepreneurs and what companies have to offer in terms of being an entrepreneur, like an entrepreneur within a company? Um, because there are those opportunities out there. Could you speak to that? For sure. Um, I I think, I feel firmly about both paths. I think when you graduate out of undergrad and you're trying to decide if you're going to go full entrepreneur or if you're going to, you know, get your first job, be entrepreneurial and really show the, showcase those skills to be successful in a corporate environment. I think both paths uh, can lead to success. I'm always going to lean more towards entrepreneurship um, because the the truth of the matter is, you know, you can work for a corporation and become very successful, but you cannot really hand that corporation down to your family and ensure their success on it. Now, you can you can do that with the money that corporation pays you, play your cards right, but you can't necessarily hand that down. So that's why I feel very strongly about entrepreneurship because you're creating something new that you can really build on your family's wealth with. Um, For me, I took the latter path going uh, into a major Fortune 500 corporation after uh, undergraduate. And, you know, I'm always gonna have a business. And I think that's what anybody who feels entrepreneurial, never deny that part of yourself, always have your business. 
And even if your business ebbs and flows and it grows with you and your time while you're working or being able to, you know, transition from a place where you're working for a company to actually working solely for your business, you always want to be able to give yourself that opportunity because nothing's guaranteed, you know, your, your business could tank, you know, at the end of the year. And then what are you going to do as working for a corporation? You want to be able to, to make money for yourself. So I'm always a fan of entrepreneurship. I'm always going to encourage entrepreneurship and in our communities, especially, we should always have an entrepreneurial endeavor going. Uh, where did you get your entrepreneurial spirit from? I got it from my, my family. Um, you know, my grandfather was a strong entrepreneur. He owned his own grocery store, his own gas station. He was able to send all three of his daughters to college. Um, and, you know, my family has been entrepreneurs as sharecroppers out of slavery. So. I've just always had that entrepreneurial spirit. And I saw that in my mother as well. You know, my mother has been a successful entrepreneur in real estate. So I've just always seen the value of entrepreneurship, but I've also seen the value of uh, corporate leadership as well. Like my mother, her story is so interesting because she was born in a time where she can remember a white and black fountain. And she was one of the first students to be uh, integrated into schools in this country. And she also was able through affirmative action to be one of the first uh, black female executives in telecommunications. So, you know, her leadership was able to open the doors for people like me. <laughs> so I think all of it is very valuable wherever you end up. Uh, it's just all about making that time worth it. And so that that's pretty much it. What was the transition like uh, going from college to the workforce? Um, hmm. I think the transition now that I've, I've been out of college for four years now, I think the transition is really about time and how you experience time. You know, you're kind of on semesters in college. Once you start working, it's like it all blends together. And that's what you kind of have to watch out for in a sense, because you'll look up and you're like, oh, it's three years later, that's crazy. And you want to make sure that you're living and experiencing your life and doing what you want to do, not necessarily just clocking in and clocking out. So that would be kind of the, the transition is just time and how you kind of feel time, feel a year. You know, what does a year mean? It kind of means something different once you're out of college, because you're breaking it up into semesters and objectives and you're focused on your reports and your grades. And when you're working, you're just kind of doing the everyday. So that would be, that would be it for me. Who is Kai Daniels today and what advice would you give the younger Kai Daniels? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say Kai Daniels today is um, fearlessly experimenting and that's the advice that I would give my younger self. You know, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. And it's like, you don't even realize how fear creeps into your thoughts and your decision-making. Like, oh, I'm going to reach out to that person at that company. No, they're going to think that I'm, you know, over-eager. They're going to be annoyed. You know, that's fear creeping in, stopping you from being successful. 
And we just do that in all these different little ways in our life. And, you know, I've ever so recently, <laughs> you know, just been thinking about that, uh, really releasing fear, just praying that out of my life because I want to be fearless. I want to experiment. I want to be, I want to, I want my work to be free. I want my creativity to be free. And you can't have fear and perfect creativity. You can't have fear and perfect love. You know, those things don't go together. And as soon as you can let that go, you're, you're off to the skies. So that's the advice I'd give younger, uh, dorkier silly Kai. <laughs> are there any fears you had to overcome working for a fortune 500 company hmm you know when i first started working for gm i think i was just like so excited that i didn't even have too much space to be fearful about it um but i think as people start to get into their careers especially me um, I started to become afraid of, you know, not making it to the next marker, not, um, you know, being able to lead or excel, you know, just or not being able to really shine. Um, and, you know, now in my career, it's, it's one of those things that I, it's not something that I'm afraid of. I'm really focused and excited to be in my work that it just naturally brings opportunities your way. It just naturally takes you to that next level of leadership and promotion. Those things just naturally happen. So that I think that was one of the things in my career that I had to overcome is, you know, I'm not going to be worried or afraid about not making it to the next level, not getting promoted, not getting that opportunity to really push the business forward in that way. It's like, no, those things are going to happen by me focusing on me, focusing on, you know, the work that I, I'm really passionate about. And and that's what I've, I've really seen in my career, especially in this last year, um, just the wonderful opportunities that I've had. So that would be what I would recommend to overcome. And that's definitely what I overcame. Okay, you spoke about leadership. Mm -hmm. What's your definition of a leader? Mm. I hope y'all got time. No, I, I, my definition of a leader is uh, somebody who's really ready to go to the mat and be in the arena. Uh, leaders can't be spectators. Leaders have to be participants. And I think as we think about leadership, we see a person at the head. We see a person you know, leading from the front, but there's, there's leadership opportunities in all positions in your life. And being a leader is taking those opportunities. So, you know, for me, I've been able to see leadership in a lot of different ways. I was able to study leadership as a service scholar at Florida State. I've, I've been experienced a, a lot of different managers at General Motors and in different uh, internships and roles that I've done. And you know, I, the, the one thing that really rings clear is a person who's willing to get in the arena and participate. So what has been your experience uh, as a woman in corporate America? Well, I've, I've had a, a wonderful experience being a woman in corporate America. Um, but I think that <laughs> there's been some things like my hair, my outfits. I've been through a couple of different outfit changes um, <laughs> as I've gotten further in my career tailored some things a little differently uh but 
I think that's one of the things about being a woman in corporate or in male-dominated environments is just being feeling free and it's okay to be a woman. It's okay to wear skirts. It's okay to, you know, be express your femininity in whatever way feels naturally to you. You know, your femininity could be expressed in a button-down shirt with slacks and a hard bottom. You know, your femininity could be expressed with, you know, a pink dress or whatever. You know, I just have always tried to um, feel free in being a woman in the workplace through how, through my style and through, you know, how I carry myself. So that's, that would be it. What advice would you give to, you know, that, that girl, that woman in business school right now who's kind of, you know, hesitant about going into, uh, this male-dominated world of corporate America. Uh, just remember, girls rule the world. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you different. So, uh, so Kai, uh, what programs and initiatives do you think are in place or should be in place for the youth back in those areas that you come from, like Miami or, or Detroit? Oh my goodness. Detroit is actually uh, really in desperate need of an education rehaul. And it's made me appreciate uh, Miami and Broward Day public county schools on a whole new level, just seeing the struggles that Detroit public schools has um, or is having right now. But some important programs that need to be in place for kids is mentoring. I mean, we know the academics and the scholastics have to be there. But that's change that has to happen, you know, really in a really focused way through the education system. Um, but programs that we can have an accessory to strong, act- providing students strong academics, no matter what school you go to, you know, whether you're going to a, a school that's using taxes from a lower socioeconomic place or a school using taxes from a higher socioeconomic economic place students should be able to have access to strong academics. But um, as far as accessory programs, mentoring matters, especially for people of color. I remember in school, I actually argued this down with my service scholar class. Studies show that uh, young black kids with white mentors feel more unconditional love, but they perform lower um, on their scholastics. Young black mentors with black mentors with mentors who are black, they feel less unconditional love, but they perform higher scholastically. And when you sit down and you think about that, you know, some of the the thoughts that came about were, you know, well, the white mentors work harder to build a connection with the black youth. And so that's why the youth feels more unconditional love. And my contribution was that black mentors understand that in an America with systematic racism, it is your education and it is your scholastics that is is really your power. So your power is knowledge. And, um, you know, it's something that we have to think about as a community. And we think about the kids growing up in our community. You know, what does it hurt you to spend maybe an hour, maybe two hours in a month to just check in and see what's going on with them because I think our generation was the first generation who really experienced parents kind of working doing their own thing and we were fending for ourselves 
figuring it out for ourselves. And that can be a very lonely place for a kid, especially if your parents are really out here hustling, really out here because you're in a lower social economic standpoint, really working to put food on the table for your family. You know, those kids need support too. Um, so I just think that mentoring is such a valuable program to have for kids. And that's all kids, not just, you know, black kids, white kids, or LGBTQ kids. That's everybody's kids. So. so Kai, what is your faith and how has your faith, your faith impacted your process thus far? My, my faith, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. Um, and I believe that Jesus died for our sins. I, I think as I've gone through my process from being a, you know, young LGBTQ person of color in Miami, uh, Florida State, you know, really involved in Florida State, and even in working, and I, I just recently got engaged to like the most amazing person ever. I love you, Blair. Anyway, um, but I just, you know, it's been so much that's happened in my life, and it, I just, I can see how how God is just aligned it all and even the things that I didn't understand the things that felt like failures the things that actually were failures by all definitions were things that um, were actually I was able to pull success out of all of those things I was able to pull you know pieces of myself that have helped build my foundation so I can go out into the world and do the work that I feel like God has called me to do so you know and be the type of partner that I feel like I'm called to be for my fiance so you know it's like that's how faith has impacted my process and it's something that I, I want to always share because you know if you can see all these crazy things happening in the world and and know in your heart and believe that your life is directly connected to being a part of the solution it makes you make decisions differently it makes you think about yourself differently you have to even have more respect, honor, and love for yourself because you're vital to fixing the things that you see wrong in the world. And I think that's so easy for us to overlook. It's so easy for us to kind of shrug our shoulders at that because maybe we're not in the position that we want to be in right now. But that position is where you're supposed to be right now at that time because it's helping you on your journey and on your process. And God's always going to get glory out of it. So that's that's really how faith has impacted my journey and my process hey man congratulations Thanks. by the way <laughs> I, I did have one more question um so what have you learned about trusting the process as far as learning the skill sets necessary to not only perform well in your job but also to get on the growth track within your your career uh, that's a that's a good question for me. I and I think this is something for a lot of high performance resources out there, high performance people out there. Uh, it's it's you have to be careful when you're when you've got your objectives and you're clicking them off that at work and in the work that you're doing that that doesn't bleed into your personal life. You can't click off your husband or wife, you know, check them off the list. You know, you can't check off dinner and check off time with the kids and check off the dog. You can't just check these things off. You have to experience them. And so as you start to, you know, create what looks like a, a work life rhythm for you, 
you know, make sure that the things that are important to you, the reasons why you're going to work and and making money for your family, make sure you, when you're with your family, when you're with yourself, spending time with the people that you care about, you're experiencing it. And there is a way to, to be a high performance person, executing at a very high level, being an expert in your field, being able to be the kind of teammate that you need to be to get the job done and also being there for your family. Those things do exist. All things are possible for those, you know, all things are possible through Christ. So you can make that happen. Uh, any last words you want to leave with the, the listeners? I would say, you know, no matter what it is, you know, that you believe, just praying to the most high. I just want to, wish everybody who's listening blessings over your life and as you're going through your process i know that it's ups and downs twists turnarounds dark corners bright lights open doors you know all of that and wherever you are in your journey you're in the right place and you're doing the right thing and just keep going so i love you god loves you kyla the kids <laughs> so so Kyle, we want to thank you, you know, for being transparent with us and sharing your story. Um, we really appreciate it. Where could uh, someone find you in case they wanted, you know, words of wisdom, words of advice? Uh, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, my handle is at Kai Evelyn. And, you know, I, I'm constantly posting about my life and just how God is moving in my life and things that inspire me, my creativity. So if you want to follow me, you can follow me there. This concludes episode 21 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be how I want to be remembered like that was my thing right? you know oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave not only on the industry but the effect that I want to leave on people being a whole human being going through my obstacles going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things but for it to inspire change